the red flag flying here. Everyone and welcome to the 66th edition of Political Unmuted. Can you believe that? Two thirds of the way to our century and um, sort of um, <laughs> at the moment we have two people on the chat line as I can see. I am Mark and hello Chris, good to see you. Uh, thank you for joining us. Um, we have um, some fantastic topics to talk about tonight and uh, welcome to the team apart from um, we have one major uh, issue tonight. Uh, welcome, Jane. You're so, so very welcome. Hello, hello. But you're here because uh, Laura's poorly. Uh, Paul, please tell everybody about it. How, how are things going? How is she, basically? She's um, she's a little under the weather, but she's not as bad. It, it, it's um, she, she, Given that I work in the COVID pits, as they are sometimes called, um, where you go to get COVID at school. Um, it's not surprising that she got it, but it was surprising that I took my test and I was fine and she took hers and she is not. So, um, yeah, so a bit of a get well soon moment, but every time Laura tries to get herself um, fit and active and things like that, uh, something happens. She'd just been to a boot camp, an early morning boot camp, and then came back feeling quite positive but thought she'd better do it anyway just to make sure and be safe and make sure everyone else is safe and uh yeah so she's uh she's tested positive so let's hope it doesn't develop um into anything worse talking about boot camp does this have anything to do with her purchase of a pair of doc martens last week no that's not what she's using for the booting um All right, okay. you know so yeah um now she's got some vegan doc martens that she's very uh she's very keen on at the moment so yeah, that was more to do with going to a nice uh, punk wedding that we went to, which is really, really fun. That's She's right. Sort of, it was just a silly joke, Paul. The, yeah. um, <laughs> I didn't yeah. think you were serious. <laughs> Can you wish her all the best from all of us? And uh, last time she was really laid low by it. We're very worried indeed and, and, and just pass on our prayers and best wishes. And uh, sort of, and Jane! We, yeah. we nevertheless have the delight of saying hello to you. Hiya there. Um, let's move on and uh, sort of uh, let, let's start. And Jane, sort of um, a very precise moment of the week this week from you. What's your moment of the week? So this week, um, Sophie and Scarlett Ricard, the Ricard sisters, who did made this brilliant graphic novel of the ragged trousered philanthropists, um, came to speak to my um, CLP um, because I emailed them and they answered me for some reason and they came to speak to us and they were really lovely. They were so nice and we did a fundraiser and we've raised some money and we're going to get some copies of that book into some school libraries. Good. Jane, explain to I I, I, try, I started this ragged trousers. I mean, this is my cred gone, by the way. I realised that the next sentence is going to destroy any credibility I ever had. But I, I got through the first chapter in a bit, and I couldn't. I couldn't go on. What is so great about the ragged trousers philanthropists? So they've done the whole book in the style of a comic. Um, it's amazing. So they've shortened the text quite a lot, but the whole story is still there and the language is a little bit more modern and there's really beautiful pictures. So I think you need to read their version. 
Yes, I think I maybe do. Maybe maybe I was just sort of because I, I don't have the intellectual capacity to understand it. Uh, thank you. Great uh, moment of the week, Jane. Thank you very much indeed. Um, are you able to put a link on the chat as, as to where people can get hold of a copy of this book? Is, mm, is that possible? Definitely. If I talk to the other people, that would be great. Sam, moment of your week. Hello. So I once again went to see the football and it was Shildon versus Whitby. And, um, Whitby! Whitby! I'm a Whitby supporter! Yeah, well, Whitby won, which is Yay! not a surprise. Um, <laughs> It wasn't a great surprise because they are in the league above us and we, we managed to do a, a respectable 1-0. However, Whitby left the kit at home. <laughs> so they had to play. Well, you know what you do when you leave your kit at home? You have to do well, your that's it. <laughs> I, I was incredibly disappointed, John, because they weren't doing it in their vests and pants. They did it in our away kit. It was quite funny. Sort of, uh, well, thank you, Shildon, for helping out Whitby. I say I'm a Whitby supporter. Barbara and I have been to a few um, a few matches where the weather was um, kind because uh, our flat in Whitby was literally over the road from the, 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 the stadium, so we became Whitby supporters. And, and I thought, oh, well, I'll buy a Whitby shirt, but it was £35, so that was the limit to my supporting of Whitby. So well done, Shildon. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Stuart, moment of the week. Uh, everybody will remember that uh, the debacle of all this raw sewage entering our uh, rivers and streams and uh, all the MPs involved have had some pretty interesting, you know, why they did it, why they agreed with these certain votes. Lots of them are saying, you know, it's because we didn't want to cost you money. But the standout for me was this week, Jill Mortimer, the MP for Hartlepool, the Conservative, said that one of the reasons there's so much waste in our rivers was that because of COVID, people have been building more patios and it's patio runoff that is the real culprit to all this extra waste in our rivers. And she went on Politics North to tell us that. I mean, that's some, that's some top quality Westminster politics for you. So they should pay people more because wasn't she the one who said that £82,000 for an MP wasn't good enough to attract good candidates? Exactly. So this is why people say things like that because they're such a bad candidate, that, you know. <laughs> can, I, can I just intervene here? Neil Terry, behave yourself. I imagine it's easy to socially distance at a football match. Uh, so I'll say, but not funny. You turn up early, you can play for the team. Um, the um, uh, Stuart, um, one of the it is a big the, the building of uh, the, the patios, um, the um, uh, block paving over of people's front lawns to put cars on. That is a major cause of flooding um, because it increases uh, the speed of runoff. And, and water, which might have just soaked into somebody's lawn, now hits goes straight into the drains. And then floods uh, sort of further down. So that she's right that it, it does. And this is a major issue over the last 20, 30 years. It's been growing more and more. You don't need planning permission. People are doing it willy nilly. And it's significantly increasing the problem of um, flooding. But of course, it doesn't explain why um, water companies are flushing raw sewage in huge quantities into our rivers. It's a dive, it's a, what do they call it? A dead cat? A yes. red herring. 
thank you. Um, sort of, uh, my patio is to blame for sewage in the uh, in in the in, in the river. It makes me very cross. And finally, Paul, moment of your week. Uh, mine's going to link into the environment and things. So speaking of what you were talking about, flooding there, it's also not leaving fields fallow and getting rid of the root system that um, has a major contribution to that kind of flooding that you're talking about, far, far, far greater than um, patios. But uh, yeah, so mine is uh, Boris Johnson um, declaring at COP26 that actually it's, he basically, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, um, he said basically, Deeds, not words, you know, we can all speak big about this, but what we do when our actions really speak volumes for how seriously we're taking this. He then proceeded to fall asleep at COP26, where, not wearing a mask while he was sitting next to David Attenborough and um, and uh, then flew home. <laughs> it's, it's like... He's 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 either trolling us or he literally doesn't care what he says. It's one of the two. So he's either thinking, ha ha ha, I will say that I actually don't care about this. I'll behave in a way that doesn't match my words at all, or he's just so careless that he doesn't care that you know. So good old Boris Johnson, eh? He's funny, isn't he? It's funny when you put an absolute like lying person in charge of the country, isn't it? Well, we'll be sort of um, COP twenty six will be a, um, a, a May a big issue of the week for us in some future. Um, yeah, either it's, next week or the week after. Um, but it's just annoying me a little bit, like the way they're all flying in there in the in the jets, and it's it's very much a yay capitalists are going to save the world. It's not going to happen, you know, and everyone knows that. And the biggest thing they're going to do is they're going to try and make other people feel guilty about their minimal contribution towards climate change in comparison to these massive global companies that are causing the vast majority of the problem who they won't address in the slightest. They'll probably tell us that we're, you know, we're having, well, one of the things they're saying is people are eating too much meat. And that's not like, that may be true. And you know, I, I don't eat meat, not just for that reason, but partially but that isn't what is going to solve the world crisis by telling people or by putting a meat tax on things to make meat more expensive. It's just yeah, not going to cut it. Um, I feel desperate. I feel I'm despairing. I think we are doomed. And uh, I've, I've got a lot to say about that. But um, it's going to be very hard for me to be to chair the 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 um, episode we do on. Um, you could be a guest, John. One of us could chair it, and you would be a guest. Well, I, 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 I just need the hour to tell you what I think about it. I'm just in in despair. We're all going to die. We're not going to die because we've burnt up. We're going to die because the uh, sort of social structures and political structures will collapse under the weight of the problems that's going to, that are going to be caused by failing to address it. And you're absolutely right. Capitalism couldn't give a shit. Um, sort of the, 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 the David Attenborough thinks there's hope. I'm getting to. I told you start talking about it. I'm going to shut up now. And we'll we'll do this, people, and and hopefully uh, we'll have a big input from you on your comments as well. Um, but uh, to, for today, um, well, let's have a look at one thing. Now it's time for the big story. Today's big story is um, the budget. 
and and uh, Rishi Sunak's budget. And I'm going to start by briefly saying, and I've talked too much at the beginning of this show, so I'm going to try and shut up, but I'm going to, I am going to say this. I'm always very impressed when I listen to the person delivering the budget speech. I always think, well, that's very, very good. Sort of, and it's maybe when you think about it later and what they said and, and, and all the things they didn't tell you that you begin to change your mind. But I thought that was a good speech. I thought it was well delivered. And some of the things is a, um, are worthwhile um, asking the panel. Was this not a good thing? Can you see anything good in the budget? But Stuart, kick us off. What did you think about this, uh, the, the budget, uh, the autumn budget in general? I mean, it, it wasn't a great budget, not just, you know, from the Labour perspective. It wasn't a great budget from the Tory perspective either. Uh, there was, it caused some uh, issues amongst backbenchers. The, you know, when you dig into it and you look at the level of spending and the level of growth, uh, it doesn't really add up. It, 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 there's no future to back up all these, you know, things that are in there. It doesn't look like it's designed to last, shall we say? And I, I think that that comes down to there's a there's a huge thing that they're they're not looking when they're doing the numbers on this. They don't look at the amount of you know extraction into you know private hands. To be fair, so when they're pumping a load of money and it looks like they're spending. And they should be spending on us, but they're not. They're spending, and a big chunk of it goes elsewhere. So they have to put the taxes up. And there's a massive tax burden. It's the highest it's ever been in peacetime, isn't it? And the yeah. growth still isn't enough, even with this huge spending commitment they made. Where's the money going? What's happening? Um I mean, basically, do you not accept, however, Stuart, that uh, Rishi Sunak has a problem in as much as the money he's given um, comes from the taxes? That depends on how well the economy is going. So when the economy is beginning to um, uh, sort of stutter, then his room for manoeuvre is reduced. Um, a lot of the big numbers that came came because, in fact, the, the recovery has been better than people thought. And so that and that gave him a bit of money to give away. But is he not limited as to what he can do? I think when, the, the, you know, they create these numbers, you know, they're plastering all the little lies. So when they tell the employment figures compared to what they are in reality, they have to kind of fudge the numbers to, to you know, make it look that way. But when it comes to actually having the, the resources to, to implement their plans, they fall short because it, the, the stuff that they're dealing with isn't accurate. It was, you know, fudged at the beginning and it really screws you at the end when you're trying to implement something. And that, I think that's what's happening now. Um so to be, he had two jobs, didn't he? One is to try and get the economy going, the other is to try and protect um people against the, the coming storm in terms of inflation and, and problems that are being, uh, basically what he seemed to say about the latter was that he can't do anything about it. These are international um, issues which he can't deal with. If only the Labour government had had that excuse in 2010, eh? Um, sort of the, um, sort of, but um, how well do you think he's managed to put in, as you call them, sticking plasters to try and help um, the poorest people get through the next winter, for instance. 
think there's very little in there for the, the poorest people, the most vulnerable people. I know there's, you know, a commitment uh, there to increase minimum wage, but when you dig into the figures, that isn't going to be the real help that they need. Because, you know, the reason that they've lifted those people out of poverty with that minimum wage doesn't lift them out of it because it's other factors, you know, that have got them further into poverty, you know, the increased costs of living, housing, food. So they've basically lifted this wage up to stop these people starving at Christmas. But it isn't going to get them any further out of poverty. They're going to be exactly where they were, and that was already in poverty. It hasn't done a great deal for anyone. Uh, whether you're working, whether you're not, it's done. I don't think it's done a great deal for pensioners. If you like to buy champagne, there's a little bit in there for you. I don't think the majority of us are going to feel any real benefit. Um, what about the universal credit taper? Do you think that's, I mean, has that made any real, will that make any real difference to people's lives? Uh, I think, uh, I saw a news report saying that this taper rate change, it's like nonsense. You know, you're looking at them getting, you know, a handful of pennies per hour more for this extra work that they're doing. And that over a year isn't going to make a, a huge change when you consider that these people have just been hit with a 200, 300, 400 pound increase in the cost of heating. You know, those extra, it's, they need to get rid of the, the taper rate completely. It's a deeply unfair system. And probably the, realistically, it's the highest tax bracket in Britain. That if you need support and you're doing extra work to get out of poverty, you were taxed at basically the highest rate possible. Um, uh, I mean, I'm always horrified by the, the fact that they put up the, the rate by 50p as though this is a huge giveaway. 50p, where does 50p go nowadays? And uh, sort of, uh, yeah, um, horrific. Um, Jay, uh, sorry, Sam, um, I, I noticed that he's um, giving more money for the second is for the second year I remember uh, to local government the local government grant is going up by 4.8 billion pounds now I know you labor but surely you can join Chris Hood in welcoming that um, that extra money from surely he's done good there i mean he's the <laughs> this is he's the only tory chancellor who's ever given the, the councils more money surely that's good yeah i mean the problem is and has been for a very long time is that local authorities don't know where their next meal's coming from so they've got reassurances now about certain levels of funding but they know that could all be pulled out of their uh Pulled, pulled away from their feet at the next budget. You know, the, the previous governments have said things like that they were going to scrap the local government grant entirely and, and force councils to subside on the, um, the business rates that, that their uh, areas pull in. County Durham ca cannot survive on business rates. We don't have enough businesses. Um, but the other thing that we really need to make sure the public are aware of is that when Rishi's given councils this money, 
you know, where is he getting them from? He's, he's getting it from a presumption of a 5% council tax increase in the future. Um, and, and, and that is something that people like me will get the blame for when it's been written into this, this funding um, forecast for the future. So council tax is a horrendously unfair, regressive tax that needs to be abolished and, and, and set up completely differently. But we're going to use that take money off the poorest people to have a, still a very barely functioning service. Um, I noticed from the budget also um, that the a whole raft of things for the northeast and it seems to me an awful lot of them were coming to Bishop Auckland. Um, you've got the Weirdale Railway, you've got um, how much is it? Twenty million pounds for your town centre. I mean, I mean, uh, has Dehenna Davison done well for her constituency here? Um, look, I can't. I can't argue against funding coming to my area. Of course, I want as much funding as I can get, but at the same time, I really struggle to be boiling over with praise for a government doing basic things that they should be doing anyway, like fixing up our road infrastructure. The levelling up funding that's being granted for County Durham uh -huh. is going to go on walking and cycling routes, fixing a bridge. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that's not what any of us consider to be levelling up. Um, it's it's a bit of it's misnamed. And obviously, again, really happy some of that's going to come to Shildon. But it's not going to lead the transformative change that you expect from a fund of, fund of money called the Leveling Up Fund. It struck me, Sam, that Rishi Sunak just did not understand certainly what we think of when we talk about and what people voted for when they were told that the Tories would level up. I think they, they, they meant that the economy and wealth and health of the North East would rise until it was um, uh, sort of the same as that of the southeast. I don't think they thought sort of a, a smattering of, of individual pro projects was levelling up. I mean, it, have I got that right? Is it that he doesn't understand what levelling up is? Or it, does he think, do you think that he thinks that these will stimulate further growths and, and help us um, grow ourselves out, uh, out of our poverty? No, uh, there's absolutely no way that the, the bridge that they're fixing is actually going to improve the uh, economy of that tiny part of Teesdale. Right? <laughs> Not a chance. Um, it's, 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 it's just plain marketing speak. That's what it is. Let's call it the levelling up fund. Let's talk about levelling up a lot and people will go, we're being levelled up. Not happening. Thank you very much indeed. I've got one more question for you, Sam. Um, uh, five billion for education, half a billion for early years and children in families. Um, uh, is he doing enough for, for children in his budget? I was and I'm ideologically a big fan of Shuistat. Um, and, and, and what Rishi Sunak has offered us is like the, uh, um, 
the Aldi knockoff of, of Shoe Start. The Shoe Start budget in 2019-2010 was the equivalent of £1.8 billion. Pounds, and he's the uh, Start for Life fund to start with is 300 million so it's it's a fifth a sixth the size um and then when he's talking about education funding and bringing education funding back to 2010 levels I, I would like my electricity to go back to 2010 levels I would like my gas to go back to 2010 levels unfortunately that is in the past we don't need 2010 levels of funding we need 2021 levels of funding um and it's nice for the conservative um chancellor to point out that he thinks the austerity uh mission has failed but it's a lot more than just pretending we can go back in time 11 years. Actually, there's a huge shortfall of funding. We need a lot more than that now. God bless you. Thank you, Sam. Brilliant. Brilliant. Absolutely wonderful answers. Thank you. Um, Paul, did you see anything? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to persuade Stuart and Sam that maybe there was something we can be pleased about in the budget. I mean, it's sort of, we, I know we're left wing, but surely there's some. Did you see anything good in there? I think it was very cleverly spun, as Samantha's alluded to earlier on. I think that's what it was all about. I think the whole thing is a cover up. And there was something you mentioned earlier on about like us, like sort of, well, you know, we've had this economic crisis. So therefore, like there was only like, you didn't say balance in the books, but you're alluding to that's often what is said in the media, which we know is nonsense because we know that like there is a magic money tree. It's called the it's called the Bank of England. It's where they managed to get all the money for their mates um, when during the COVID pandemic for doing literally like almost nothing. Um, you know, when, when they gave the test track and trace and they put so much money into that and they like, they found so much money for like test tubes or whatever for Matt Hancock's mate. They found all this stuff because they did quantitative easing. They, they just invented some money and you can do that. And the reason to tax people is to make sure that wealth, that wealth that is created doesn't end up in the wrong hands. If your system is wrong, wealth ends up in the wrong hands. We're seeing a tax rise. I'm seeing national insurance going up for me. I will be less well off next year again before inflation because I will have more tax to pay. Okay, right, fine. But why are they, why are they giving banks a tax cut? The banks who put us in the original austerity crisis, well, the Conservatives and the coalition government put us into austerity, um, but because of the world financial crisis, because that time they made up a lie about austerity being the thing to solve that problem. So why are the banks getting a tax cut? They do not need one. They are doing incredibly well. They never even skipped a beat on bonuses and things like that. The big banks were absolutely fine. They were bailed out at the public cost again by quantitative easing, again by inventing money, that magic money tree again that's there to save banks but not there to save human beings. So, you know, the, it's a big cover-up. So he said a few really, like, some, some things that you think, that sounds nice, you know, the minimum wage is going up, so, you know, good on him for that. and good on, But it's always give with one hand, take with another. And in this case, it may be given a little bit back having taken so much through austerity. But as Samantha said again, like it's far too little to actually catch up with where they are, and I think. I, but but sorry, but like the the point I'm really making is 
it's a narrative thing. Everything they did was to tell a story rather than to actually change lives. Thank you so much. You, you know that I think that everything you say is brilliant, but I'm going to just, just challenge you on a few. So I think these are genuinely good things. And and Paul, we're supposed to be finishing in a minute's time. I've still got to talk to Jane. So just brief answers, please. Sort of alcohol duty simplified um, uh, draft relief so that people can buy cheaper in pubs relative to what they're buying in new uh, supermarkets to sort of defend pubs and sort of um, particularly uh, rate relief for the leisure and hospitality industries. Now, sure, that is just going to help them, isn't it? It may not be enough, but it's got to help those industries. Yeah, so I'm 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 for that for things like gyms and stuff like that. They've they've had a rubbish time when they closed gyms and stuff throughout COVID. Maybe they could do with a bounce, but they don't need to be taxed in the way billionaires need to be taxed. Not the really, really like massive ones, but the small ones. It should have really focused on small. But the thing about like even the even the the way it's being done, that alcohol duty relief or it's only on barrels of 40, 40 litres. Like, they're the big ones. Not, not, is it? No, is it 40 gallons, sorry. They're the, like, they're the really, really big ones. They're the ones that people don't use, you know, unless you've got, like, a big vat of Carlin or a big vat of, like, you know, the, the, those standard ones that you'd get in a Wetherspoons rather than the ones that you'd get where it's smaller batches, people who do less, you know. It's for the big, big ones. It's relief for those people not for your standard, like, smaller pubs. That's that's just the kind of thing we need to know because there's always the tricks in the promises. Always the mm. tricks in the promises. That's Okay, here's another one that I thought was good. 2.2 billion extra put into justice. Um, new prisons, dealing with <laughs> county lines, and more support. Uh. For women within the justice, sort of. I thought that sounded good. What have you got to say? Uh, well, more money for prisons. Why do we need more prisons? What are we doing there? Like, you, we should be completely, could be, could be completely rethinking the whole idea. Like, is it for punishment or is it for reform? Our justice system is not a reforming thing. So, like, I have a huge doubt that that is a publicity stunt. Everyone knows all the evidence says that our justice system does not reform. So, building prisons unless there's some sort of like different way of doing it whether you move into a, a model more like they have in norway or something like that which is a rehabilitative model then that might be a useful thing but as it stands no that that's and doing more for women what are you talking about scrap the met if you want to do more for women you know actually challenge the police on what they're doing don't say oh we're going to have more money on some sort of thing i don't even know what they've said they, they, you know it's Okay, yeah, thank you very much indeed. Good good answer. And last one, um, before I move on to, to Jane. Um, six billion to court science funding. Um, 20 billion to research and development in tax relief. Um, super reduction uh, on in 25% on investment and a particular emphasis on help to grow for small and medium enterprises. Surely you have to accept that that is going to help grow and modernise the British economy. 
Again, it depends what it's targeted at and whether you need, like, whether you believe that states should be telling people what to research. Is that going to go into green technologies, right? Because that's where, like, that's what it should have been focused on because we need our best brains working on those solutions rather than trying to find ways to sell your stuff on Facebook. Okay, so if that's the technology they're developing, then there's no point relieving that. But if they're developing real things, and there was no mention of the climate at all, apart from they said they were going to destroy it a little bit more by um, reducing tax on planes. Yeah, so thank you very much indeed. Um, some very strong reactions on the comments. Um, absolutely fair. But somebody has to ask these questions if we're going to be able to go out and talk to people about what we feel about the um, uh, budget in an intelligent way. Last of all, Jane, I've got one question for you. Sort of, Rishi Shunak gave this um, budget and he is getting slaughtered, not by the Labour Party, uh, the, 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 the kind of um, uh, Starmerite Labour Party that sort of actually wishes it was doing these things itself, but by the right wing of the Tory party. It was the Tories who have ripped into him, um, including Theresa May. Now, my question to you is, does that not show that, in fact, there were some things about this budget which actually are not all that bad. If the right wing of the Tory party are attacking it, surely it's a sign that it's a step, albeit a small one, in the right direction. Well, I don't know. I would say maybe it's just not another huge step in the terrible, terrible direction they've been going in for the last 11 years. Maybe it's a half step in that direction rather than going anywhere good. What did you feel about it um, overall um, yourself, Jane? Um, I mean, it wasn't, I was really disappointed there's nothing to effectively um, challenge the climate crisis, ridiculous, and to cut fuels on domestic flight, um, due to domestic flights was an absolute insult. Um, the changes they've made for working people, although they were very tiny, um, improvement in some ways they've been taken away in other ways like the national insurance increase inflation sky high partly through well very much through their mismanagement of the pandemic um brexit negotiations and the economy generally um so they're very much responsible for that um and so i don't think there's going to be a big improvement um for working people and um i saw jo the joseph roundtree foundation uh, mentions that this is the lowest main rate out of work support since 1990 in real terms. So, you know, they've taken us back 31 years for people who aren't in a position to take paid employment. Thank you. Um, I feel the same way myself, Jane, to tell you the truth. Um, have you say, people, on the, um, uh, the, the, the uh, comments, uh, Sam's monitoring them all, um, storing them up in a huge brain, ready to um, bring them out in, in the after show uh, chat afterwards. Um, for me, um, the thing I noticed about the budget was that they're changing the tonnage tax on um, shipping to separate us from the EU and um, 
so and to stop ships flying the EU flag and so they'll be sailing instead under the red ensign we're going to try and encourage ships to save, sail under the red ensign now that will be a great thing won't it I mean it wasn't that what you wanted to come out of the budget um Paul <laughs> oh, sorry <laughs> Aren't these people brilliant, eh, people, listeners? Aren't, aren't these people so clever? Don't they know their subject so well? And don't they present an absolutely vital alternative spin on some of the things that we're picking up from the BBC and the news and, 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 and the, 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 the political uh, literati? Um, absolutely fabulous. We now, people, <laughs> have, however, a short amount of time to whiz through the, the things. Uh, Jane... Um, Angela Rayner has apologised for calling the Tories Tory, Tory scum. Dehenna will be absolutely mortified by this. I mean, she won't know where to turn, but so we'll let Samantha deal with that aspect of the thing. Um, sort of, should she have stuck to her guns, Jane? So I have really mixed feelings about this because I understand why she felt pressured. I understand we've got to be mindful of the language that we use and the impact that can have on people. And I understand she's in a position of responsibility um, and, you know, with a public platform. However, I also remember when the Tories first came into power those first few years, I remember seeing petitions, um, people talking about the number of deaths that were occurring due to the austerity policies that they started implementing straight away. I remember seeing people handing those petitions in, begging to Ian Duncan Smith and other MPs in the Conservative government. Then I saw them leaping for joy as they implemented more of it when I know people had made them aware of what they were doing to people's lives. I saw them say that I, Daniel Blake, wasn't a true reflection of reality. Um, I saw the UN condemning us for human rights abuses against disabled people. And then I've seen them double down on it and they still have not learned. And how are we allowed to express that? I mean, we've, we've used a bad word to describe them when they have caused hundreds of thousands of deaths willfully, if I'm quite honest, because like I say, all of those things, I saw all of those things happen. They've made those choices. What are we allowed to say about it? And I don't think that she was the person most in the wrong there. Um, I mean, I noticed that the Archbishop of Canterbury um, got into trouble. Um, uh, everybody was outraged because he said that if we don't do something about the climate, future generations will curse us. <gasps> What a strong word he uses. And he had to go and apologise. Well, I, I, I didn't mean... So uh, have we reached the point where basically you can't say anything derogatory about any of the government without everybody shouting at you that you're a troublemaker and you need to sit down and you're rocking the boat? Yeah, it seems... I mean, with the climate crisis too, lots of people, lots and lots of people will die, will starve, will, be, will suffer. The planet will die, animals will die and we're not and that's okay it's okay to do that as long as you dress it up in nice words or lie about it but if you use a bad word to describe someone who's doing that then you should go to prison or if you knock down a statue maybe you should go to prison because that's worse than killing people thank you Jane. Stuart your comments should she have retracted I, I think so but I think I mean 
you could have been more creative in the, the term used to start with. I think that, you know, g- given the, the long list of conservative names that you could have, you know, played on that a little. You could have called somebody, you know, that, that MP, uh, Rick, Rick Holden, or you could have went, he's a, he's a right Jeremy Hunt. You know, we can lean into that. We can, you know, and I think if we uh, played a little bit funnier, we're not going to be as polarising. Um, now, when you mentioned polarising, however, language like this does polarise. Now, one of the things that um, Angela Rayner went on about, she, she didn't go on uh, to the media to apologise. She went on to say that sort of she's received death threats and, um, and, and, and she's been terribly, terribly threatened. And one of the people, the person who was convicted, was in fact, one of the factors that made him write to him in the way he did was because he, she'd used that word. Um, do, do you think that language like this is increasing the violence, that language like this, freely used, in fact, leads to the death of poor, poor um, Mr. Amos MP? I think we have a political system that is inherently designed to be adversarial. And if, I mean, just look at the, the setup at Westminster, it's two groups of people shouting across the room at each other. Uh, and we need to really rethink how we do Westminster politics from the ground up, if we want to really take on the, you know, the, the issues around polarised politics. Thank you. Um, Paul, um, what, what's your take on this? Should she have backed down? I, I'm looking for someone to say who said, no, she shouldn't have backed down. Do you think she should have apologised? Um, I'm interested in the the snowflake walk comments and things like that in there. Like if this was the other way around, if this was a a left wing person complaining about the language of a right wing person, I don't think there would have been any back and down whatsoever. They'd have doubled down. They'd have done this more, you know. So, um, like I don't go around calling people scum because I would just. I think what Jane said about the Tories was way more powerful than calling someone scum. Actually list their deeds. Actually list the fact that they dehumanised immigrants, that they're sending out gunboats into the sea to try and drown people in the sea. Like these These are not nice people and I don't need to call them scum. I don't need to do that and some people might want to do that, but that is not the worst thing that is happening in this scenario. The fact that they're trying to drown people is a lot worse than being called scum. And I'll tell you about like, you know, I work in, in a school where I get called a lot worse than that on a daily basis, you know? It's like, it's really funny, like, oh, like... Honestly, I think one of the less X-rated versions is I was getting called a big fat goth last week, which I kind of found funny and I pretended to cry because, you know, because I was a big fat goth. But, um, you know, so this, I don't know, I think this is being politicised to a huge degree when you've got, like, media outlets crying foul and at the same time they were the ones who published stories literally saying, kill Jeremy Corbyn kill the vampire Jeremy Corbyn. They had him in a coffin, you know, so so that was the Daily Mail and that was Dan Hodges. And, you know, this is, 
this is the ridiculous situation we find ourselves in. Dehumanising people in the press all the time, saying that people are traitors. What about those judges who were voting, uh, who who said that what they were doing for Brexit was illegal? You know, let's get these traitors. You know, and there were people talking about murdering them, like uh, chatting away about it and stuff. So. I'm not quite sure. I think the apology here has come because she has uh, faced personal threats because the discourse has gone so, so horrible that people are um, threatening one another with violence and, um, I don't know, calling someone a name. Imagine if someone called someone a name at school and they reacted with trying to kill someone and then they blamed the person who called the name. Like, that's not that's not where you would go. Yeah, maybe maybe you shouldn't go around calling people names. Maybe you shouldn't go around trying to drown people. Thank you very much. Sam, last word to you. On a lighter note, I had an email last week telling me as a local councillor that in the council chamber, it's not acceptable for us to point fingers at each other because that can be interpreted as being aggressive and, you know, We've got to be nice to each other. I just think standards of public life are weird, hey? And uh, what you might do in public and what you might do in a council chamber or in front of a group of, of political supporters and what you do in your you know, home are probably different things. But I don't, I'm still not sure that, I mean, do you feel threatened, John? <laughs> I, I sort of, um, I've got into terrible trouble over and over again for pointing um, because it's, 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 you do this to make a point. And we were talking in the after show, after after show, about the fact that they started sort of doing this with the thumb instead so to stop themselves pointing. And um, uh, don't you point at me. Don't you point your finger at me. Um, it, it is interpreted as being an aggressive thing and, and sort of... Um, I, I don't know yet. I think Paul's right on this one. We have, we have some people who seem to have no restraint at all in what they do and say. And yet at the same time, um, political people like you, your sort of representatives like you, are so restrained that you've got to show res- respect um, for whatever scumbag is attacking you. There you go. Um, no doubt I'll get into trouble for that, but I'm not a councillor anymore, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, next question. Um, uh, oh, Sam, it's straight back to you. I should have taken you last. Um, sort of um, uh, spiking of drinks. A storm in a teacup, surely. Absolutely. A wine glass, a storm in a wine glass. Well, I mean, okay, so the, the most recent... Uh, news headlines have been because we've gone beyond beyond drugging people by putting substances into their drink for the purposes of rape kidnap abuse whatever you want to do to that person Uh, we've gone beyond that because that's not terrifying enough um we now have people probably young men injecting women through their clothes in nightclubs and bars and um and spiking them that way um so i mean surely that is terrifying notice. i mean surely you notice when somebody's injecting you with something well thank you john 
for once again making it all the women's fault, right? <laughs> well, it's just a question. So, so I, if you are injecting, I mean, it isn't just sort of a, you don't just jab them with a with a with a needle. If you're going to inject something, you've got to put the needle in. You've got to hold it there, and then you've got to put. So I'm, I'm doing that. You've got to press the needle and inject it. Sort of. I mean, nobody suggests. I'm going to ask you another question later on on this, but sort of. I'm, this when I saw this was happening, I was just amazed that it should happen surely if somebody comes up to you in a, a nightclub and injects you you will notice it happen i mean and it's not i'm not criticizing the women who are injected for christ's sake that that, that question will come later i'm just saying how do they how do they do this and get away with it do you know so there are two things um involved um as mia says even if you do notice that's too late it's already too late because if you can feel it, then it's happened already. Um, the second thing is I've heard some people say that um, they're using sort of EpiPen type devices to do this. So it's not like, oh, I'm going to wait and like measure this out. It's it's very quick um, and very uh, sort of shallow, but enough to. Um, and I think the other thing is, I mean, <laughs> John, it may, be, it may have been a while since you've been out in a nightclub, but <laughs> <laughs> I went out for Halloween and I can tell you there were lots of people touching me in all kinds of ways that I, uh, you know, they could have very easily um, injected me with something. Now I'm scared for my, you know, it, so, you know, it is really serious and I know you are doing, you know, devil's advocate here, please do not send hate mail to John um <laughs> but it is really serious it is really terrifying and something does need to happen so women are doing the only thing they can do which is to protest to withdraw their 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 money and and, and say we're not going to to clubs and pubs that aren't going to take this seriously and, and let's face it what else can they do because even worse than um other types just i mean you know we know we don't have the police is what i'm trying to say um even if even if the police did take violence towards women seriously you know you phone them up and you, they say okay what evidence do you have and what evidence evidence do you have you know nothing so there's nothing that can be done so you dropped like okay. a potato i mean what i've got to say here is that the concept of um drugging or injecting a lady against her will is absolutely beyond my comprehension. And the thought that there is perhaps some males who might do this, I cannot find words to express how I feel about such, such men. I mean, it is absolutely horrific. Um, uh, that, that that they should think and, and how do they ever think it's all right to do that and and what goes through their brain and and the word scum is would properly be applied to such people so my second question to you sam is that why why are the ladies who are cross about this and i'd be cross about it why are they sort of um campaigning for the bars to do something about it surely we need to catch the people who are doing it and throw the book at them i mean it's sort of um sort of what one thing that seems absent from the uh, uh the the whatever they're doing is um 
some call for the perpetrators to be caught and punished. Yeah. I think when you have spent your whole life um, going through maybe maybe casual and not serious sexist and abusive incidents that have never been taken seriously and not a single person has looked up for their, from their drink to even look after you and ask you if you're okay and society consistently tells you that you know ah, it's all right it's just a bit of banter and that your body's not your own and then you know you hear the, st the statistics we have at the moment about violence against women and rape and sexual assault which is that rape and sexual assault is effectively decriminalized in this country you've got to look at other ways in which to protect yourself and you have to look at the bars and the clubs because they do have a, a duty of care while you're on their premises um, and there are things that they can do some of them are very stringent in their checks some of them aren't Spot on. Uh, <clears throat> absolutely right. Um, uh, thank you very much indeed. Jane, how, what's your take on this? Um, I, well, I was reading that apparently there's an um, increased amount of this going on around this time of year every year um, because freshers, new young students going away for the first time are targeted, which is really disgusting. Well, they're supposed to be more intelligent, aren't they, really? I mean... They're, I mean, they're, if you think of your daughter or your niece or, you know, vulnerable away from home for the first time, and it's just awful to think there are predators like this. But I do see why they've gone for prevention rather than punishment, because would you not rather this didn't happen to you in the first place? So I, can see I agree they're... with that. That's a clever yeah. thing. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Um, very briefly, Stuart and Paul. Stuart first. Uh, I think that the government needs to step up because... If we, you know, if the the culture of raping people is moving away from just getting somebody to drink something, to injecting them, it's no longer confined to bars and clubs. It's now, you know, boundaryless and walking the dog, uh, going to the school, supermarket, nowhere is a place that you know date rape. Uh, you know, you say from it's it should be terrifying, and the government needs to step up. Thank you very much indeed. And last so word, before Paul. Before we do, sorry, can I just jump in there? Because there yes, is another no. really serious issue, which is that when women are um, spiked, they are treated as though uh, by, by doormen and bar staff that they have just drank too much and basically chucked out. Um, and that is a culture change that needs to come from the venues themselves. Thank you very much indeed. Um, I, I think the point that Stuart was making as well, that it's all part of a progression which starts off with this kind of behaviour and ends up with rape and murder. And, 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 and sort of uh, the whole thing is just um, out of control at the moment. Uh, last word, Paul. Um, just the fact that we're talking about uh, like being reactive to this, um, I, think we're, I think we need to be proactive about this. We need to be teaching young men um, not to do these things, how unacceptable it is. I would love a culture in which young men would see a friend or an acquaintance of them doing this and absolutely kick their heads in. Like, that should be where we are. This shouldn't be gangs of men doing around. This should be men saying, that is an unacceptable way to treat any human being and stopping it. 
Um, our culture's really, really messed up. And as Samantha's said so well, and Jane as well, uh, like our justice system, and it's been in the comments as well, our justice system is not dealing with any of these problems. So it's no wonder people are asking nightclubs because they probably trust night, nightclubs more than our justice system. And that is a crying shame. Thank you very much indeed, everybody. Um, a very worrying development and um, and, and worthwhile of, of protest. Um, and finally, I'm just going to um, deprive Stuart, Jane and Sam of their voice. Um, you've got uh, three minutes, Paul, uh, on the last question, but I'm going to ask you it because I think it's really important. Um, Israel um, basically outlawing um, civil rights, uh, human rights organisations uh, on the ground that they are um, uh, terrorists, um, uh, helping terrorists. Um, what's your comment about, about this? I think it exposes what the Israel government has been doing for a long time, which is treating Palestinians as if they don't deserve the right to live. Um, and, and that really is where we are. That is... Um, you know, there's no need to compare them to any other any other government or anything like that, any historical government. This is the way they're behaving now. Um, and they've been behaving this way for a long time. Uh, Gaza is the largest open-air prison in the world. Um, the people of Gaza are under absolutely horrific conditions the way you wouldn't want to treat another human being. And it makes me think that maybe um, they don't see them as being equivalent human beings and perhaps the nation-state law... A few, the past a few years ago that said that uh, people within Israel are um, based upon religion are going to be treated differently and there will be first and second class citizens. I think that's a very, very important point to make that the government of that country are behaving in a way that is absolutely disgraceful, violating UN, the UN, um, violating human rights all the time. And we really, really, really must stand with Palestine. And it's time that we stopped messing around and saying, oh, like, you know, oh, it, it's bad on both sides. There is a bully and there is there is a there is a victim here. And it is really, really, absolutely 100% clear to me who the victims in this situation are. And when you've got human rights groups from Palestine being judged as terrorist groups, then it absolutely blows any notion of what a terrorist is out of the water we already know that that definition has been ridiculous since the war on terror because you can't have a war on terror because it's stateless but like the idea that these human rights groups are now being considered to be terrorist groups tells you all you need to know if you've been paying attention this won't come as a surprise the palestinian people need help and what in the world can we do? And one of the things that Israel are absolutely dead against is the idea of doing any form of sanctions against them, which is uh, like any kind of economic sanctions. Well, what else has anyone got? Because no nation, well, Ireland actually passed a few resolutions against them. Ireland support the BDS movement, or I think have, have at times, um, which is don't buy things from Israel, basically. That's the only power you would possibly have as an individual to do anything about this. And um, people have been accused of being racist for even considering not buying goods from Israel, which shocks me because I do not equate personally being Israeli with being Jewish. Even though it's a Jewish state, Israel's actions have nothing to do 
with Judaism. They're not doing it because they're Jewish. And that, and therefore, we are not doing anything if we decide to not buy things from there. That is not because they're Jewish. Jewish people are as diverse as any other group in the world. And there are some absolutely wonderful ones who also support the Palestinian people. And we know this. So, uh, yes, absolutely. I agree. Um, you can uh, value uh, Jewish culture, heritage and love the Jewish people and still criticize the things that the government of the state of Israel are doing in the same way that you can love English culture and the English people and be furious about the way they're behaving over fishing rights uh, in, in the Channel Islands. It, it's uh, the two things are separate. Thank you. Um, I think it's uh, perhaps time that the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance uh, issued a, a, a statement, a, a definition of terrorism. Uh, I think that's the, 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 the next thing. I'm not, I'm not um, sure whether they need to do anything, the, the, the Holocaust Alliance, because like, you know, they, again, that's, they aren't Israel either. You know, Israel are itself. Israel's itself. It's nothing to do with that. Although we would expect human human rights organisations to show solidarity with other human rights organisations, just not specifically any particular one. All of them, please. Every single human rights organisation in the world should be calling for um, the end to sanctions on Gaza and Palestine and absolutely revoke the idea that these six organisations are terrorist in any way. It is ludicrous. I'm going to have to stop you there, Paul. Um, team, brilliant comments all night. Uh, thank you for allowing me to, to say what many men in the, and women on the streets would say about these things and giving such erudite and considered and... Um, helpful answers and um thank you everybody uh, for your comments on the the stream which uh, samantha will be picking up in five minutes as always if you want to stay with us uh we we just have a, a general chit chat and uh sort of but if you've got to go goodbye see you next week for the 67th uh editions look out for the poll on political unmuted and don't forget that you can join socialist think tank and sam uh can you give the advert for socialist think tank now that you normally do at the end of the second half and then we'll just cut uh to joe solo and be back in five minutes Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you can join Socialist Think Tank for free. And we're also on Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, and on whatever your favourite podcast app is. Just search us on there and, and you will find us. Um, please do click subscribe wherever you're watching us right now. And if you do have some friends who you think might be interested in this, share it with them because it would be really great to grow our viewership we've got some really great people who come back every week and we love you i'm not getting bored of you but if you're cool i bet you've got cool friends too and i'd love to get to know them <laughs> okay goodbye see you in five minutes thank you so much hello it's me again i'm in charge and so the, yeah so I had all the comments up um, on the Restream app and then I've closed them. So I'm going to have to just wing this bit a little bit. Um, vote for Joe. Do you know about that, Paul? Do you want to talk about Joe Solo's thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah so hope, hope, not, hope Not Hate have uh, 
have an award to like have an activist. I don't know exactly what the title is, but it's for people who've done some really, really good things. And Joe's raised so much money for um for charities, especially uh homeless and and migrant charities. So, um, he is someone who is definitely worthy of your vote. He's uh, such such a good guy, and you hear him. You've just heard him there. He's just been singing away. So not only is he talented, he's also just so lovely such a lovely person watch his interview with us it's uh it's really good and if you don't think that joe deserves the award after that then um you know i'm not to say the other people aren't really lovely as well i don't know them though so um definitely supporting joe for that one so if anyone wouldn't mind voting for joe solo in the hope not hate vote for your hope hero uh that would be really appreciated Brilliant. Uh, Jane's just thrown a, a comment that uh, Ruth made earlier on the show when we're talking about the budget and the, the money that's going in here and the money that's going in there. Doesn't it sound like Rishi's doing a good job? Um, Ruth said, meanwhile, feeding families who put together food hampers in the Northeast for families at Christmas have already had a record number of applicants this year and it's only November. Um I think there's just such a huge issue with us not recognising the scale of in-work poverty that we have um, and the scale of, of the fact that our society is not set up to allow people like basic standards of living. I think of myself and my husband having pretty good jobs, but it's not easy like and if it's not easy for us I, I don't understand how people who who live on the minimum wage like get by I don't I don't understand and it unfortunately it's because <laughs> of fantastic organizations like feeding families who, who pick up slack um and we've got that situation now where it's become so normalized that people will use food banks and people will rely on the charity of others. And, and there is such a gap in the uh, state safety net. There isn't a state safety net anymore, is it? Um, and there's such a demonization like, of people who are on benefits even, you know, where people might not even want to admit that they need some support, even though, you know, it's not your fault. <laughs> it's not your fault you need some help. Um, Mark Longley talking about uh, scum politics and scum um, Mark says uh, Angela shouldn't have apologised because conservative policies are scum she apologised the same week Richard Medley said Kia should give the left a good kicking uh, very interesting to see these double standards floating yeah, around Kia like Starmer was there though then that's a worry so. <laughs> please don't kick me um neil said 2.2 percent won't even undo the damage that was caused by the failure of the privatization of the probation service which is now caused reoffending to be much higher I, Again, again, there's a gap. People don't talk about the failure of the privatisation of the probation service because most people don't really think they're affected by those things. But you are affected by a criminal justice system that doesn't promote justice or stop people from being criminals because you you 
maybe the the next victim of someone um mark totally agree the issue of train travel needs to be looked at in terms of green issues it's cheaper and quicker to fly from Birmingham to Newquay than it is to go by train I don't know if anybody saw question time um when it was on uh but they they had a conservative mp on who more or less said um oh it's it's totally right that the government are reducing air duty on domestic flights because people need to get to work (laughs) that's just like gosh (laughs) wow (laughs) is that where we're going on this do any of you have any particular (laughs) comments on any of the things i've just said go on paul and it's, uh, I'm quite flabbergasted that some people go to work on a plane, but yeah. Do they mean the people who work on the plane? No, they mean MPs and bankers. <laughs> yes. Oh, all right, see where my mind people. went to the people who work on the plane, like the, yeah. the stewards. Wish she needs to get to work. <laughs> Wish she needs to get to work, yeah. Boris we needs to go to a climate we- conference. We need our new County Durham MPs to fly to Westminster to uh, justify Ben Houchin's airport, don't we? <laughs> I still think that's part of why they did it. They said, wouldn't this airport be brilliant? Because like we can go and spend a couple of days in the constituency, but really live in London. Mm. Like, you know, but if I need to, I can just like get back to London really quick. Yeah. It's probably why. How much does it cost? Go against you, it. I wonder where Paul Hubble's plane is. I do wonder <laughs> if it's at Teesside Airport. You know, keep it shot. You know, he's supportive of the airport because it's a nice place to have it parked. Go on then, John. There is an issue here that uh, the wealth of society is created by two things: the volume of transactions and the velocity of transactions. And one of the reasons uh, that the economy is larger. Uh, today than it was before was because the speed of travel has increased and when you slow the speed of travel then the the economy takes a hit and that then spreads out and of course it's always the poor that end up bearing the brunt of it so we we just need to be a bit careful um uh, about um when you when you sort of it, it isn't quite just as simple as saying planes are bad trains are good um, sort of um, uh, that, that that there are situations where being able to get from A to B very quickly, in fact, the, sort of when taken in the large uh, expands the wealth of society. Um, what I do point is uh, was Mark's point. I think that uh, train fares are prohibitively high anyway, and 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 sort of nobody with a family is going to, to use a, a a train. You're going to use a car. And, and, and it's about time that that was addressed and sort of when you um, if you reduce the price of train fares, then people would be able to take the train instead of needing to go on the flight. That would be an acceptable way of doing things. Um, and By the time you get to the airport anyway, you know, it's a, it's, it's not a, a huge time saver. Like, say, if, if I were to fly to London from here, it would take me 40, 50 minutes to get to the airport. And then it would be an hour flight to London, and then there would be all the airport stuff. So, like the three hours it would take on a train, really doesn't seem that bad. 
Yeah, I'm with you there, Paul. I don't think when you actually look at the time, um, and especially the transfers from one place to another, you do save very much time. Um, and, you know, haven't we just come out of a pandemic where we all had meetings like this and it was perfectly fine? Um, I don't think cop 26 27 267 whatever it is i don't think that needed to be in person either what a stupid example to be setting for the world you know um let's all fly in on our private jets for a climate conference good lord can, can i mention as well something about the the budget earlier on there's it's it's related to john's um e- economics thing that he's just mm-hmm. mentioned there so there was an article in the BBC earlier on and it was talking about inflation and it was saying, um, it was saying, oh, well, inflation's going up. And in the old days, in the bad old days, in the 70s, um, when inflation went up, it actually became a vicious circle and it became really, really high. But luckily, now we don't have strong trade unions. So therefore, the spiral of, uh, of, of inflation going up. So they were saying... That like the BBC were advocating a position that workers not having power to increase their wages is good for a country's economy because high high um inflation rates won't get higher because people won't be getting more pay. And it's like, what's a country for? Like, you know, what if if, if people can't get a good wage because like they've taken away trade union power and they can't argue for a good wage. What's the point in anything? What's the point in people can't buy stuff if they don't have enough money? So it's not a good thing. Like keeping inflation low by keeping people's wages low is not a good idea, or relatively low. Like you know, or you'll only lose like five percent a year, like uh, compound interest. It's absolutely awful. The political, the political um, orthodoxy in this country. To say something like that and think that's okay, bunch of morons who all went to the same university together who've never really had that life experience of knowing how important it is for people who are working class to actually earn money. They think the money just comes to them, and it does just come to them. It does just come to them because they're given it a lot of the time. That's true. Neil suggests that if companies spent... Um, if companies reduce the price of rail fares then they would have to spend less money uh clamping down on people who are avoiding fares um i think there's a uh, i'm going straight out the cat create rule book here and saying you know isn't wouldn't free public transport be a great way to to power boost our green economy um i, I just think it's such a social good it, it, Ah, it's just we should do it now. <laughs> Tell you what, I'd do now uh, if I had the opportunity. I'd make um, traveling to work part of your pay, so you'd have mm. to be paid for traveling to work. And the reason for that is, if you did that, then you would soon find that companies would rather than trying to find some magical person who lives really far away. I'm thinking about teaching at the minute. There's always a better teacher out there and they're always thinking that mm-hmm. this mythical unicorn will come in and be amazing at teaching and, and will be better than the people they've got who live miles away. But if they if they did that and said, right, okay, well, your working day starts when you get in your transport to go to work, they'd have to cut it down. They'd be, have, they'd be employing people five minutes down the road, which would cut down on emissions loads. 
Agree. Oh, like that idea. Uh, now, right, Chris has uh, dropped a question, um, and I know what he's getting at. Um, of course, uh, he says, in today's political climate, what is more useful? action or statement now i've got to let people have an opinion on this but um obviously people want their government local authority to do things but equally people need to know what you stand for people need to know what you need to nail your colors to the mast and and the only way they're gonna know what you stand for is if you tell them. It's perfectly legitimate for governments, local authorities to make statements and pass, pass motions, which are just a statement of belief because then people know where they stand with you and you can build on that. Uh, so I know he thinks that in our local political circle at the moment, the, my, my team are all talk and no business, but at the end of the day, we're not in power. We've got no power to do any actions. So we're all about statements at the moment. That's fine. <laughs> Anybody else got anything to say about that? Go on, John. Very much so. I mean, ultimately, um, and we've, we've all faced this in the Labour Party uh, because the, the, the right, sort of when the left was saying, well, we need to be doing this and we need to be doing that. No, you don't. You sort of, you need to be giving out leaflets and winning votes. That's what you need to be doing. And, and sort of, so the left in the Labour Party is accused of the same thing, just talking about what ought to be and not getting on with the real job of winning elections. And of course, if uh, Chris is, uh, Chris has just asked the question, remember, but if uh, sort of, if, if the answer to Chris's question is action is more important than words, then what, what are we doing on this show? Why the hell is he bothering listening to us? Um, <laughs> sort of because we're just giving opinions. And what I would suggest to, to, to the answer is this question, of course it has to end up in action. Just sort of endlessly, you, you end up like the People's Front of Judea, don't you? But the, the fact of the matter is, is that one of the big problems in this country is political ignorance. People do not understand what politics is about, who stands for what, what the different parties mean. They can they don't understand what socialism is. They, they think it's a, akin to terrorism. They don't understand the issues and, and they operate at this shallow level of, of, of um, soundbite and consequently they are at the mercy of uh, the, um, the Tory um, propaganda factory. And, and that's half the problem here. And until we break through, Chris, until we break through that and get people understanding what's going on, they don't have to agree with us, but they need, until we get large numbers of people who understand what's happening in politics, then we're going to get silly um, actions in government um, uh, because, because we're electing the wrong people. And so um, ultimately, a, a show like this is of vital importance. It's vitally important that more people listening to listen to Paul and Stuart and Jane and Samantha and hear what they have to say and let their ideas sink into them and they can reject them or process them or accept them. It doesn't matter, but people need to start um, listening and debating and talking and uh, sort of uh, a statement is just vital. 
in that process. So team, carry on. You ignore that nasty man who's suggesting that you're all a waste of time and pointless. Sort of. You I, I don't think it's, I didn't see it as being a loaded comment. Actually, I just read it. I, I took it as like, what's more useful? Because obviously everyone's got their own interpretation and you know certain things that are going on. But I was just looking at it and thinking, well, what's more useful, action or statement? Well, it depends what the action is and it depends what the statement is really and, and, and why you're making it. Like, if you're doing an action that is against what you would make as a statement, then that would be pretty weird and it reinforces an opposite point of view to yours. So if you say, well, actually, this is the like this is the reality of the situation we're in, so we've got to do this because it's the only thing we can do, then sometimes that works against your own belief system and reinforces something and then it becomes the way things are. So I'll use a stupid example from teaching. So if you think and if you know that all the all the all the research says that actually ticking mark and books and what have you does nothing. And that's what the research says. It it's pointless. Right, okay. Um but f- feedback can be really important. But if you if you're told that feedback is important and therefore I shall mark my books because that's what I've been told to do by Ofsted then everyone starts to do it. And then you have a situation like in teaching where everyone is marking the books to the nth degree in a really, really stupid way, despite the original research or all the research saying, no, it's actually valueless. What is valuable is feedback from the student to the teacher, them telling you what they don't know. And that's the situation we find ourselves in in education where people are spending copious amounts of time, more time outside of the classroom doing something that is proven to be valueless than they are actually doing something of value and spending time talking to kids about what they need to know. So if you just do something because that's the thing that you're supposed to do, then that's really, really, really stupid, like I would say. But then everyone does it, so and then I get called the odd one for pointing things like that out because I make statements. <laughs> I say I think you need the actions and you need the statements, but you need the persuasion too. Like I think the conversation on it is so important. We had um, the um, oh, I can't remember the name, but the little puppet of the Syrian refugee child came to Dover near me. Amal, yeah, little Amal, and it was really lovely, and so many people came out, and that oh, it looked like it was a really lovely atmosphere, and it, um, it moved a lot of people, and um, it's important to speak out when you, or, you know, on these issues as well, because what's being the way refugees are being treated with the current legislation it's just it's awful it's disgusting but i also know that there's an awful lot of poverty um in this area and i know there's a lot of people who are suffering and i think there's there, i see a lot of bad will um towards refugees and not just in this area i think i saw a post on social media when people came from afghanistan and it said they'd been um They've been put up in the Holiday Inn and there were lots of love hearts on the post, but the number of angry faces, the number of people who didn't need to stay in that hotel and weren't inconvenienced by it, but felt incensed at the thought that, you know, a refugee fleeing was staying. And I, I think something like Little Amal probably would have just made them angry unless you have a conversation to, you know, to talk to them about why you think it's a good thing because I'm sure a lot of those people who put those angry faces on that post were very decent people 
And you just have to have conversations because we've all got different lived experiences and perceptions of why things are happening. And it doesn't help when you have an establishment narrative and a media that is constantly scapegoating vulnerable people and feeding on people's own vulnerabilities and fears. Nice. Stuart? I've I've been having a think, you know, really drumming it down in my head. What's what was, you know, more important, statement or action? And the reality is, you know, those are opposite ends of a pendular swing. And that pendular swing is outcome. Everything we do is for an outcome. So to basically, if we're just you know, zoning down into what statements we make or what actions we do. And if we don't look at what we get out at the end of it, then we're missing the whole point of the argument. You know, we, you know, you make statements and you can get an outcome with it. You know, that's the whole idea of protest. You know, uh, you can, you can do wonderful things. You can action many things, but you still need the outcome. And if, if we're just arguing over, whether we should be talking about something or doing something, we've missed the argument. Yeah, talking is doing and inspiring people. You know, I had a lovely um, talk to a friend who I hadn't talked to for a while who works out on the trains. Uh, and she's, I mean, I haven't seen her in, in a couple of years, pandemic and everything, And but she's on my Facebook. And she said, you know, because she's, been inspired by me it's made her get involved with a union it's made her sort of she wants to come and, and and join in with the women's banner group and do stuff that we're doing you know I haven't done anything I've just made the statement of being myself and she's looked at me and gone you know what I can I can do something too um so sometimes saying and 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 making statements inspires other people to do things which which is you know, potentially even more powerful. Um, but there we go. Anyway, I'm going to wind us up because we're not going to spend an hour prattling on when we've all got beds to go to and wine to drink and crisps to eat. Um, so I am going to say thank you very much to everybody who has joined us today and left some comments and shared with their friends at I really appreciate that. And uh, thank you very much for giving us your time tonight. And we will be back at nine o'clock on Tuesday next week. Bye. We'll keep the red flag flying here.